Good morning, church. How are we this morning? Who's had a good week? Oh, that's fantastic. Who's had a fair to middling week? Yeah. Who's had a bad week? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's lovely, lovely to see you. I hope that you have indeed had a really lovely week. I know the weather's been slightly on the turn, but it's been quite nice to have a little bit of a break, hasn't it, from the, the repetitiveness of lovely days and doing stuff. It's, uh, it's always good to sit indoors and look at the rain, isn't it? Um, I'm going to pray for you. Father, we thank you for bringing us here this morning. We thank you that you have called us to you not just this morning, not just this evening, but every day. Father, we ask that you help us to approach your throne of grace this morning boldly. We ask, Lord, that you forgive us our sins. We ask, Lord, that you just help us to know that we are loved this morning and every morning. Your, your blessings, Lord, are just fresh every morning. Help us to take them them in our hearts and to worship you. Amen. June, where are you June? You're going to be helping me with the reading this morning. Uh, for those who've got your Bibles, we're going to be reading John 10 verses 1 to 21. You're doing 1 to 10, yes. Father God, we thank you for June, and Lord, we just ask you that you give her everything she needs to read your word. Lord, we pray that your word will change the hearts and minds of the hearers in this room and all that hear the message. Lord, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to just open this scripture up to us this morning. Amen. Everyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Amen. Thank you, Jean. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. 
I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Well, quite a big reading, and there is so much stuff going on in here. So, first of all, who is Jesus talking to? Well, he is having another conversation with the Pharisees. Yet again, the bad boys of pop, the Pharisees. Who are the Pharisees, for those who don't know? The Pharisees are the kind of religious guardians. They are the ones who walk and talk the law to all intents and purposes. They are the ones that you go and see if you have a question about the law. They are the ones that are openly kind of practicing the law. They are not priests as such, but they're kind of uh, spiritual law maintainers. They are the, like the enforcers. They're like the guys that stand on the nightclub doors. You're not coming in. No, your name's not Dan, you're not coming in, sorry. No trainers. That's what they do. So Jesus is having this conversation with them because they are making things difficult for Jesus' sheep. They are making it difficult for people to actually follow God because they are saying, you need to do this. And if you don't do this and you don't do that, you're not coming in, no trainers. And that is not what Jesus is saying. Let's have a look at the culture of the time. What was the culture of the time? Well, they were agrarian, agrarian. They were farmers, yeah? Most people had sheep back then. Apparently, most people had about eight or nine, ten sheep. Every family that would live in a, in a house would have sheep because sheep would bring you wool to make clothes. They would give you milk to drink and to make cheese. They would also provide meat, nice tasty lamb on a Sunday, yum, 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 uh, or a bit of mutton if it got a little bit, uh, bit too much of a flighty risk, you would eat it. Nice bit of mutton, yum, yum, yum. And then in the winter, you would bring the sheep indoors. <gasps> Animals in the house. And they'd also provide a bit of warmth. So you could sleep next to your sheep. They would heat the room with their body heat. So they were really, really good. They were very cheap. They didn't cost that much to feed. And sheep were very, very responsive to people. If you spent all day with the sheep, it would know you and it would trust you. And I've seen it myself. Does anyone know the meadows up there? 
Yeah, it's a little meadow up there, and there's four sheep in there. And the guy that owns the sheep, he comes along. And when you see him enter the field, the sheep go absolutely potty. Because they know that they're either going to get their little pasture moved over to fresh pasture, or they're going to get nice fresh water, or they're actually just going to get a bit of a fuss made of them. They know him, they trust him, and they will go near him. When I go near them, they couldn't care less, or they will just turn around and walk off. Because I am just a man that comes and stares at them occasionally. I don't do anything for them. I don't enrich their lives, and actually I probably just make them feel a bit uncomfortable. Um, which is essentially what the Pharisees were doing. They were just staring at people, making people feel uncomfortable, using scripture to clobber people over the head and make them feel bad. So Jesus comes along and he says, look, these sheep that you say you're looking after, they're not your sheep. They're my sheep. They're God's sheep. They're not your sheep. They don't like the sound of your voice. They don't trust you. You are actually stealing sheep from my father. You are making them follow sets of rules that are not there to be used like you're using them. They're not there to clobber people over the head with. I'm the shepherd, Jesus says. I'm the gate. Now, what does that mean? How can Jesus be the shepherd and the gate? Well, it was quite common back then. If you had your sheep, you need to keep them safe, right? At night. Let them out during the day. They can do what they want. At night, you keep them safe. They would have walled enclosures, right? So they would have these stone walls, much like in sort of Yorkshire. You remember Emma, Emma Dale and all that kind of stuff? They would have stone walls built up. On top of the walls, the walls would probably be about six foot, five, six foot high. So quite high. Only a small pen, maybe about the size of one of these chairs. So just a pen like that, right? Square. On top of the walls, they would have the briar. Okay, so the dried thistle thorns. Um, hawthorn would be quite a good one. And if you know anything about scripture, you will know that hawthorns were what? The crown. The crown. And if you also know a bit more about scripture, you will remember the story of Isaac and Abraham when that sacrifice came along. What did the ram get stuck on his head? How did they manage to capture the ram? Well, the ram got his horns tangled in the hawthorn. The hawthorn is not something you want anywhere near you. They're an inch to two inches long. They are incredibly hard and they will tear you to pieces. Animals know that and they try to keep away from it. So they would lace the top like barbed wire all the way around with dried hawthorn. Nothing is going to be jumping over those walls or climbing those walls because it would be torn to shreds. Now, the gate. Did they have a gate? Well, if you were really skilled at making gates, you could have a gate because gates are actually quite difficult to make. You need a hinge or you need some sort of fixing and you need to keep opening it and closing it. But what the shepherd would do would 
be that he would lay down and spend the night in the gap where the gate would be. You see, nothing, they weren't going to come out. The sheep are not going to come out because they know their master, they know their shepherd is there keeping watch. So they're not coming out. And any wolf or predator or thief, well, if he wants to get in that pen, he has to go through the shepherd. And the scripture says, no one gets to my sheep, no one gets in my pen unless they come through me. Now, I want you to think of, there's a, a parable about the strong man. Remember the parable about the strong man? It says, if you want to go and take someone's things from their house, if you want to go and burgle someone's house, well, the first job you've got to do is take down the strong man of the house. Because unless you do that, you aren't going to accomplish what you set out to do. So, if you want to come and burgle my house, the first thing you've got to do is get through me, Laura. <laughs> After I throw them, Laura! No, you've got to get through me. And I will potentially be in a pair of Peppa Pig pyjamas with a baseball bat. That, if you're lucky, well, is what will be greeting you. If you're unlucky, there won't be Peppa Pig pyjamas. <laughs> and that should be enough to frighten off even the most intentful burglar. If you want to get into Jesus' pen and you want to take his sheep, well, then you've got a strong man that is stronger than any man, that is wiser than any man, that knows more than any man. You are dealing with God incarnate. You have got to get through God to steal those sheep. Hands up who feels brave enough to take on God in a fist fight and steal his sheep. No? Didn't think so. I don't think so either. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. You see, for all the Pharisees banging on about this is the law, this is what you have to do, these are the standards you have to meet, and if you don't meet them, well, tough titty on you, you're not coming in. You see, people don't listen. If you want to go down to Worthing Town Centre with a Bible and you want to shout at people and you want to tell them that they are useless sinners and they should be feeling ashamed of themselves, how evil they are, um, oh, how many people are going to listen? How many? Zero. A big fat zero. <coughs> you want to go out and teach Jesus and teach about the love that he has for his sheep, the love that he has for people. If you want to talk about God, then you have to talk about love. You don't clobber people with the word. You explain the word to them. You explain that the word is actually God's love for his people. You explain that God loves them like a father loves a child. You explain to them that he cares for each of us 
much like a shepherd looks after his sheep. If you can explain the love of God, and if you can show the love of God to people, then guess what? People respond. People are convicted all on their own, not by you. No word I say can convict you of your sin. Your sin can only be convicted by God, by you. The Holy Spirit will convict you of something you've done wrong. He won't condemn you, but he will convict you. You see, because that's the voice that we listen to. We listen to God's voice. We're Christians, right? So we listen to God's voice. So how do we know, like in here, how do we know it's God's voice? How do we know that it's God talking and not someone else? Any suggestions? Yeah. If you know your scriptures, if you've met with God, if you know God, you know his voice. And you can say what he says. That's why we have all this written down. So that we can say it to people as well. You see, scripture has this power. It's God. These are not merely words. They are not merely sentences. These are collections of God's thoughts, God's feelings, God's actions. And when we hear them, when they're read aloud, or when we read them at night, or when we meditate on them, they speak to us. They show us who God is. They show us what love he has for us. They speak to us. We know, we feel the love of God in our hearts because we have the Holy Spirit in us, don't we? And the Holy Spirit reacts to God's word because God's word brings pleasure to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God as well. He reacts to his own word, his own goodness, his own love. And they pass that on to us. We react in a way to God's word. You can tell a false teacher One of the other questions I want to put to you is, who are the wolves? They were dealing with literal wolves back then that were attacking the flock. But they are also dealing with wolves of a different nature, false teachers. The word twisted. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. The Pharisees were actually being like wolves. They were stealing people, but they weren't, they weren't exactly using God's word the way God wanted them to do it. And they didn't set out to deliberately do that. They didn't have a big meeting and say, you know what we need to do? We need to start making people fall away from God. We need to make it really difficult. We need to start clobbering heads with our scripture. They thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were doing the right thing. It's so dangerous, so dangerous to pick this book up and think you know how to use it. It's difficult, but it's easy. You have to know who to listen to. You have to know who to follow. 
Now, I can stand up here and I can give you a great sermon, right? Bang, out, I can do a sermon, no problems. And you'll all go, wow, Matt, ah, that was amazing. Ian, you were fantastic. You really spoke to me. That was great. I love the way that you applied it to my life. That was fantastic. You are a really talented and gifted preacher. Fantastic. Well done, you. I could be lying. I could be making it up. I could have just rocked up here and just gone, yeah. see if we can get out before one. Why would I do that? Why might I do that? Because at the end of the day, I am a man, a human man. I have just as many faults as you. I am not holier than you. I am not more clever than you. I am not wiser than you. I am you. All the very best things that you are and all the very worst things that you are, I am too. Because I am a man. I am not your shepherd. And if I am not your shepherd, uh, that means I have the ability to fail you. Maybe in a small way, maybe in a big way. I do things wrong. Guess what? So do you. When you listen for the voice of the shepherd, don't listen to my voice. Listen to what I say, but listen to see if it matches Jesus' voice. If what I'm saying matches to what is written in here, to what is written in here by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you're not listening to my voice. You are listening to his voice. But that requires work on your behalf. That requires you to read this, Hopefully bring it to church with you as well. Because if you don't, I could be lying. I could have made up all those verses. You need to be listening to his voice. There's nine Bibles at the back I put out every week. And guess what? There's nine Bibles sitting there right now. Every week I put them out there in the blind hope that one of you might pick them up. Nine Bibles there. There'll be nine Bibles at the end of this sermon. I could change the PowerPoint. I could swap words around. I could delete words. I could do whatever I want. It's a PowerPoint. That's totally within my power to do. It's much harder for me to go and change a Bible that's 30 years old. It's much harder to do that. I'd have to get up really early and completely change every word in there. I'm just not going to, I'm not that fast on doing that. I'm also not that fast creeping into your house in the night and changing the words in your Bible. That's really difficult to do. I'm just not going to do it. So by bringing your Bible to church, you are bringing the voice of Jesus. And that's how you recognize him. You bring this and you match what I'm saying 
at what's in here. And if it matches, you're hearing the word of God and you'll be able to follow the word of God. If it doesn't, then I'm one of the wolves. Who are the wolves? The wolves are things or people that seek to take you out of God's pen, God's love. Who are they? Well, they could be ministers of the church. They could be ministers high up in the church. They could be the Archbishop of Canterbury. I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying he isn't, for the benefit of the record. They could be any number of people. Does the devil come to church? Absolutely every single week. And his minions do too. In fact, he's got a much better attendance record than any of us. What other things could be considered wolves or predators? Our culture. That's a big wolf. What is our culture? Well, look around. What's in our culture? TV, movies, music, um, words, ideas, certain books. Our culture is part of our identity. Some of it is not all bad. I'm not here to say that everything outside is bad. It's not. Some of it's really lovely and good. But is it of God? What things pull you away? Is there something in your life that pulls you away from God, that leads you on to other things? There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, Beware, sin is crouching at the door. You've got to be careful when you open a door. Jeanette, where's Jeanette this morning? <laughs> Bless her. I went to pick Jeanette up this morning, and she's got an automatic door. And she opened the door. I got to her front door. There's a little buzzer. And I, just as I reached over, the door opened because she was going to come out and meet me outside. So as the door opened, I popped my head through and went, Morning! <laughs> and she, honestly, she actually jumped out of her chair. She was, I won't, I won't repeat what you said, <laughs> but she was shocked, to say the least, to see a blues brother standing in front of her. Um, and we have to be careful about that, because sometimes we watch a film, or we watch a TV program, or we read a book, or we listen to ideas, or we listen to other people's ideas, and we could be opening a door. And when you open a door, you never know quite what's on the other side of it. And the notion of this scripture is you don't know what's going to leap inside your house when you open a door. <coughs> so we have to be careful with ideas, with films, with things that we kind of know that aren't quite right for us. So Jesus is the shepherd. So the sheep follow the shepherd, not because they're just blindly following him, but they trust him. Because the shepherd leads them to pasture. What's pasture? Well, for sheep, it's, it's grass. They lead them to a grassy field, somewhere they can eat for the whole day. And if you go over the field, over the meadow there, you will just see these sheep just munching down on grass all day long. What is the pasture for us? Well, the pasture, the thing that feeds us, is the Bible. 
It's spending time with God. It's prayer. It's worship. It's loving each other. It's also about not being too hard on yourself. Now, most of us, I would imagine, are pretty hard on ourselves. We're a lot harder on ourselves than others, aren't we? And when you're beating yourself up over the things you've done or not done, um, do you feel closer to God or do you feel further away from God? I feel, personally, further away. Because every time I say something about myself, I'm a liar, I'm a cheater, I am not good enough, I need to... I need to stop doing what I'm doing. I feel guilt and I feel shame. And as soon as I feel guilt and shame, I don't want to know him. I don't want to listen to his voice. I want to just keep away from him. And the second I do that is the second that I turn away and carry on on this guilt-shame thing. Well, I've done that thing, so I might as well just carry on doing it because I'm damned anyway. He's not going to want to know me anymore because of that thing that I'm doing. So I'm just going to keep going this way, away from him, because I can't be doing with what he's doing. I can't be doing listening to his voice because he's over there and I'm over here. But he doesn't want to be near me either. But you know what? If all we did was just to turn around, we would see him standing right behind us. He's right behind you. When you're in that guilt-shame thing, when you're walking away from God, when you're saying, I just can't be doing with what this is. I feel bad. I am not doing what I should be doing. I'm going over there. And he's like, well, I'm coming as well. Because scripture tells us something else about sheep. There's a parable about it, the lost sheep. Now, it gets twisted quite a lot. You hear it. It gets twisted quite a bit, this story. The good shepherd will leave the 99 just to go and find the one. And they say, that's amazing. To just leave the others there in danger and just go off and find the one. That's such a risk that he's taking. That's reckless. Look at that. He's just left those 99 sheep there to go and find the one. Do you think for one second that God would leave those sheep and would leave them in a place that wasn't utterly safe? Of course he wouldn't. Why? Because Jesus is the shepherd and Jesus is the gate. And he said that no one comes into my pen unless you come through me. So when the shepherd goes out to find the one, to find the lost one that's in that guilt-shame cycle, is walking away from God and saying, I just can't do it anymore. I'm, I've done that bad thing and I'm just going to keep doing it because I can't face you. Do you think he is going to leave you on that hillside? He is with you every second of the way. Read Psalm 23, as Brian did this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, 
David was seen as a shepherd of people. He was King David. He was the one. But he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So the Lord gives him everything. He makes me lie down in green, green pastures. So he, he takes me to a place where I can feed, where I can rest. He leads me beside quiet waters. So there's no danger of this water overflowing him, taking him, drowning him. This is cool, clear, good drinking water. This is a pleasant place to be. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. So he's leading. He's leading on a good, safe path. For even though I walk through the darkest valley, even in my guilt shame, even in the times that I am doing things that I should not be doing, I won't fear the evil. No predator is going to get you. Because no matter where you think you are, he knows that you are still in the pen. Because no one gets to you unless they go through him. Remember that. Your salvation is safe in his hands because he is the shepherd and he is the gate. Do you think there is a force on this earth that could tear you away from God's right hand? I'm here to say there is not. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, someone drew um, a picture on one of their post-it notes the other week. It's a couple of pictures, on one, one on each side. And I drew them on my little thinky wall this week. And they had a picture of a heart, and then a line, and then another heart, and then a circle. I'd, I'd love to know who it was that did it. It was beautiful. And I kept staring at this picture Julia and Rachel were having their normal meeting and I was just staring into space looking at this thing. I think they were probably talking to me, but I wasn't really listening. Sorry, Rachel. No change. And I saw this heart, and it was quite clear, a heart up there coming down and being another heart on some ground. So I got up and I coloured these hearts in red. And I coloured the circle that the other heart was standing in green. And I sat down and I started looking at it. And I could see this picture of the rod and the staff. Yeah? We think of the rod and the staff. If I go and get... So I've got this rod and staff. So if any of you get out of line, right, I can reach over, wake you up for a start. I could hook you on the back. Or if you're particularly bad, well, let's not go there, shall we? Can I just call the safeguard? <laughs> Turn the other way. He's, he's there. <laughs> so my rod and my staff, it's there to nudge you in the right direction. It's there to prod you. It's there to whack you over the head, right? Wrong. For this staff was a staff of love. He doesn't lead you by kicking you and punching you and forcing you with a dagger in your back. He leads with love. His staff is a staff of love. He will lead you on with love because that is who he is. He won't beat you up. We do a good enough job of that on our own, don't we? 
We don't need a higher power to do it for us. Your rod and thy staff comfort me. Well, whoever gets comforted by being smacked on the head by a staff? Who gets comforted by love shown to them? That's what you need, isn't it? If you're in a bad place, what's the one thing that makes you feel actually truly better? Not Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's can't love you. You might think he does, but he doesn't. Someone else coming alongside you and showing you love and treating you with respect. That's a comfort, right? So the rod and thy staff is not a staff for hitting. It is a staff of love. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So you prepare a meal for me to sit down and eat whilst my enemies are patrolling around. How does he do that? We go back to those walls, don't we? We go back to the briar along the top. We go back to the sheep being safe in that pen. Their enemies are prowling around, but they can't get to them because Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the gate. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The anointing happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. Each one of you are anointed. You are lifted from where you were and you are plonked into God's family. You are anointed. You are part of the family of God. You are children of God. You have been called to greater things. Surely your goodness and love will follow me. Jesus is the shepherd. He is before. He is behind. He is to the side. He is above. He is below. You cannot go anywhere without him all the days of my life does he say apart from that day you did that bad thing no all the days of my life I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever not just for some time until he realizes I was bad on that day Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the gate. His love extends to you constantly, permanently. You can't turn it off. No matter what you do, you cannot stop him loving you. You are not that bloody clever. You are not that powerful. You cannot break anything that God has put in place. He loves you. He will continue to love you. What should you do? What should you do when you're walking off in that guilt-shame area? Turn around. You know what? At that moment, you don't even have to say sorry. Just face him. Because he'll be there. Arms outstretched. Nothing you can do can stop him following you. Nothing you can do can stop him leading you with love because Jesus is the shepherd and he is the... So he will lead you and he will protect you. Yes, Robin. Um, I'm 
Yes, it is. He's leading, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a pastor, okay? So a pastor is like a shepherd of a flock. So traditionally, we would say that you are my flock and it is my responsibility to guide you and to lead you, right? Yeah, would you agree with that? Well, I wouldn't. No. You're not my flock. I don't own you. I barely know some of you. But if my words match with his words, you know you can follow me. Yes? Because then you're following him. You're not following me. I don't want you to follow me. Don't follow Ian the man. Right? Ian the man is a fool most of the time. I want you to follow Jesus. So I want you to know when Jesus speaks. So if what I say matches with what he says, you know you're following him and not me. Because I could tell you tales and beguile you with things and make you feel wonderful and you'll just be, wow, let's, Ian's just amazing. He's such an encourager. But if it's not God's word, then I'm leading you off down another path. You must all... Yes, he is. This is what I'm saying. You need to follow him and nobody else. Yes. Yes. So just like David, the Lord is my shepherd. I shan't want. I want you to commit to being Jesus' sheep. Not mine. Your relationship to God is your relationship with God. I'm here to help. But you need to be aware that if I start saying stuff, or if anyone starts saying stuff that doesn't match up with what he says in here, don't follow them. That's important. Because it says in Revelations that at some point, people are going to start spreading false gospels. They're already out there. And you need to know which ones are the right ones. It's really important your salvation is, you know, your relationship with God, is Im it's important. You need to know what he said. So I'm going to leave it there. I want you to remember this week that Jesus is the... Shepherd. And Jesus is the... Gate. And are you safe in that pen? Yes. Yes, you are. Don't forget that. Right, let's say the grace together, shall we? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.